Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 26, 2023, and today we're reading from the big book, and we're in the chapter, chapter six, into action, page 77, the first paragraph. We don't use this as an excuse from shying away, ending with confessing our former ill feelings and expressing our regret. One paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Joanne L., 12 traditions, Annette M., reading the text are Vanessa G. and Margaret D., and our backup is Rachel P. The newcomer greeter is Anne Marie M., and the host of the second hour is Raj G. The reference numbers for Tuesday, April 25th, 2023, 7 a.m. meeting is 20,191. That's 20191. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, it's 20,192. That's 20192. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, the carriest message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Thank you, Katie, for your service, and thank you, everybody on the line, especially the newcomers. My name is Joanne L. from Rhode Island, recovered in Rhode Island. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will in our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us 
in the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Joanne L. Okay, I will now ask Annette M. to read the 12 Traditions. Hi, thanks, Katie, for your service. Um, This is Annette M., recovered in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. One, our common welfare should come, uh, come, come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our teachers are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related any um, related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeater Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. AOA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeater Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Annette M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does not request that your sharing be, does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 77, the first paragraph. We don't use this as an excuse, ending with confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. And I will, reading that full one paragraph only, and I will ask Vanessa G to begin reading. Thank you. 
This is Vanessa G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the state of New Mexico. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be that he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though, it may, and though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we are still not too keen about admitting our own faults. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. So, you know, um, what grabbed me in this paragraph was going to um, the going to the person that we hated. Um, what I know today, and um, is, is that there is really um, no room um, in an overeater's heart for hate. Um, you know, my I've I've really got to root it out and um and give it over and um to my higher power because it will kill me um i will eat again and um i'm a real compulsive overeater and i end up dead i know i will probably this next time if there is a next time so i need to be always watching for these things um my first experience with going to a man that i hated um, was many years ago with my very first sponsor. And um, I, it was a Sunday night, and um, I, we were going over my eighth step. And Monday morning, I was going to have to go in, back into the office. And um, I had created a lot of chaos and a lot of controversy there. I had a lot of legal issues. Um, I worked for, you know, basically a, a law enforcement agency. And the internal affairs people were after me. Um, at the direction of the director. And so she let me know that um, my first two um, ninth steps were going to be at work. And I flatly told her no about going in to see the director. Um, I just said no. And she said those two wonderful sentences. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. And remember, it was agreed at the beginning. We would go to any length for victory over food and or alcohol. And um, and so I started praying and I prayed for probably, I don't know, uh, hours and hours and hours that morning, the next morning. And um, eventually I made an appointment and I found my place in his office. And this is a man who was a threat to my livelihood. Um, he was actually a threat to my freedom. And um, and I sat down with him and um, did my best to apologize, you know, for, like I said, the chaos and the controversy that I had, you know, created in his, um, in his office. And when I walked out of that office, none of that had, you know, none of those threats had changed. You know, he still was a threat to my livelihood and, um, and to my physical freedom. But uh, what I realized the next morning was is that my freedom um, 
wasn't based on my physical freedom. My freedom was based on my freedom from fear. And by letting God into my heart and letting God help me make that amends, um, I was relieved of that fear. And underneath any of my hate is my fear. And, um, and having that relieved um, was transforming. It truly was. There was so much more room in my heart for um, what God would have me be. And I'm not sure of my time. But, yeah, um, you're done. That's, that's time, please. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Okay, thank you so much for getting us started. And again, we're on page 77, the first paragraph. And although we value your experience, we ask that you um, <clears throat> limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So if you shared on Monday or Tuesday, please hold back on any meeting. And uh, who would like to share? Star one to unmute. Linda D. Larry K. Amy G. Linda G. Larry, was that Amy G? Yep. Amy, who W? Um, Lenneth W. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Sharon B. Michigan. Okay. Sharon. Stephanie R. Missouri. Okay. Stephanie R. You can take one or two more. Okay, well, this is who I have. This Nancy is a good... P. Okay, Nancy P. I'll add you in there. Okay, so we have Linda D, Larry K, Amy W, Amy W, Amy G, <laughs> um, Linus, Sharon B, and Stephanie R, and Nancy P. Okay, go ahead, please, Linda D. Star one to unmute, Linda. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. in Connecticut, and um, I'm recovered, but I'm not cured. So I'm here hoping that I will help somebody in some way, someone beside myself. Sharing always helps. Helps a lot. I can't do this alone. This is a treacherous disease. This is not a walk in the park. As lovely as spring is, this is still a treacherous disease. Going back, way back in time, I didn't even have any idea of a higher power. And today it's the bedrock of my life. He, she, it, I call it it, because it's a force, a power. Uh, I can think of someone that I hated, everybody, when I came in. I didn't know it. I was mad at the world. Really, I was mad at myself, but that's another story. By doing this work, I was able to make amends that were very, very difficult. And many of them turned out really well. They were beautiful. The one that I can think of that was the most scary was an uncle. And, um, and it got very ugly, and he never forgave me. And I did my best to forgive him. I can't tell you, well, you already know if you've done any of this work, how 
really scary it is to be that vulnerable in the world. But I am. I'm human. And that's what I've learned, that I'm safe in the universe because of the immense, immense goodwill of God through people and directly. I live alone, and I have to rely on God, like, all the time. And it has been the making of me. My life is dazzling in its the healing that's going on in it. I could talk for hours. I'm not going to. If you're wondering if this is worth it, all this work, all this pain that you go through, oh, my God, yes, keep going. And it's hard. It is hard. But, my God, literally, it is so worth it. It's dazzling. Sooner or later, I pass. Thank you so much, Linda D. Okay, and Larry K., you're up, followed by hey. Amy G. Oh, good. Hey, hey, Katie, good morning. It's Larry K., recovered um, in Chicago. And um, with regard to taking the bit in our teeth, well, I'm gonna, you're going to hear from Amy next. <laughs> She's a horse person, so she'll tell you more. I don't know all the origins of that, but I do know it's about taking initiative. And, um, you know, one of the questions that, that, I've, that I've posed to myself before, maybe it'll be helpful to you, maybe not, I don't know. Am I owning my mistakes or am I just renting them? I wrote this down some time ago. Am I owning my mistakes or am I just renting them? And the different, there's a difference, you know, when you, when you have ownership, you own something, you own a home. <laughs> Washing machine goes out, guess what? You're responsible, right? The furnace, the this, the that, you're responsible. There's a, and I use the word pride in a good way here, the positive aspect of pride, the pride of ownership, right? Am I, am I accepting responsibility for my actions or am I simply acknowledging them without taking any further action? When I say that, am I just renting my mistakes? I'm implying that, you know, when I do that, I'm only temporarily taking responsibility for them, and I'm going to soon move on without addressing their underlying causes or impact. And when I do that, I'm going to be right back there. And before you know it, uh, a, uh, a Hershey's bar is going to be uh, is going to feel like the uh, most appropriate thing for today. I'm moving closer towards that. So I do not want to rent my mistakes. I want to take full ownership of them. When I own them, I'm taking full responsibility. I'm commit, there's commitment to ownership. I'm committed to making things right. It may involve apologizing, yes, it, but it involves change, right? Amends, making a change, taking action to improve myself, which in my behavior, which is going to result in spiritual development and growth. I've got to put my big, my big boy pants on, my grown-up pants. Because taking responsibility, I've got to step up to the plate. I can't find someone else to step up to the plate on my behalf. Even God, the God of my understanding, isn't going to step up to the plate in my place. So there's a sense of maturity and a sense of resilience and strength and courage that comes with this. And it all comes with initiative. And yes, to go to someone 
Um, there's challenges. Someone that we, we hate, perhaps. There's challenges. But, oh, the growth. I wouldn't deprive you of that journey. I wouldn't deprive you of that. If I could give you a pill that would avoid that, would numb you out from having to do that, I wouldn't do it. So with that, I pass. And let's hear from Amy on the, uh, the horses. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Larry. Okay, Amy G., you're up, followed by Linus. Hey, Katie. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered um, compulsive eater from Maryland. <laughs> Crack up, Larry. I'm not going to put on my big boy pants. I'm going to put on my riding pants. For those of you who don't know me, whenever there's a horsey reference, I've got to jump in there <laughs> um, because I, I, I train and, and I jump horses. So I'm going to put on my riding pants here because when you put the bit in the mouth of a horse, basically, it's a sign of submission. And why I think, in my humble opinion, why this reference is here is because, you know, when I came to this point of needing to make these amends, especially the people that I, you know, really struggled with, I had to, I had to submit to this process. As others have said, was I willing to go to any length for victory over alcohol? Or if you screwed ahead to the next paragraph, I have to do this, or it's my, was it say here, simply um, we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. I had to trust the process and submit to doing the action. Call it praying to God, row to shore, right? On the subject of God here, I had to trust the process and in, in, in those who had gone before me who said, this is what we need to do. And, you know, I'll tell you, when you put a bit in a horse's mouth, you cannot force that to happen. They have to be willing to submit to it. And then it's a process of, of trust. And together, you guys, we can do amazing things. As a matter of fact, the trust, when you ask a horse to jump and not be able to see something on the other side of an object, an object until they're actually in, up in the air, right? So I had to say, okay, God, I'm taking it. I'm going up in the air here. I can't see what's on the other side. But I am trusting and submitting to the process, and I know and have to believe in what you guys are telling me in whom the problem has been solved, that I'm going to be okay through this process. I'm going to get to the other side. I'm going to land okay. And that is absolutely the case, and that's why I think, in my humble opinion, the promises are after the amends. It's because there were things that occurred that, to me, could only have been through the grace of God in that process. People keep talking about moving forward, getting here, getting to the other, other side, because my spiritual aspect of my program exploded after jumping into the unknown and saying, okay, God, you've got this, because I don't know what's going to happen. And I was also guided by a sponsor. We don't do this alone. I was guided by a sponsor that said, this is how you go about these amends. I was told never to use the word you, but to always keep the statements with the I. That in and itself was an incredible instruction. I was guided to know and to say what I needed to say. And then I had to give the rest to God. That's so hard for me to not know how things are going to work out. But that trust gave me that new spiritual awareness and a new relationship because God was clearly doing for me what I could not do for myself. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, Linus, you're up, followed by Sharon B. Uh, thank you, Katie, for your service. Uh, this is Linus W. in Georgia, uh, gratefully recovered in Georgia, um, and that's L-Y-N-N-E-T-H. Um, I just wanted to jump in because uh, listening to this paragraph made me think about 
how important God was in um, changing my uh, my thought process, changing my soul. I had, um, while I was working the steps, I'd been carrying around these huge resentments to some people, uh, to former uh, bosses that I really hated. I loathed them, felt like they had treated me so horribly. And it was like, um, for fun, I would think about these people and it was like peeling off a scab and it would hurt some more and bother me and gradually go away. And then the next day or the next hour, I think about them again and it would wound me again. And I feel like that's a large part of why I was so wrapped up in food and couldn't put it down. Um, And when I came back to program um, over a year ago, and got abstinent and worked the steps. Uh, part of that process was praying for those people, getting my higher power involved and praying for those people for the things that I wanted for myself. And that was, that was huge for me and helped me uh, to be able to forgive those people and, um, and those resentments that I'd been lugging around um, disappeared and I remember partway through the steps thinking about those people just like oh let me see how much it hurts now to think about those those people I hated and there was no longer any hate any resentment and that is just that was mind-blowing to me I I couldn't believe it I wish I'd known that I could get that from working these 12 steps a lot earlier and um, I didn't but I'm so thankful for that peace that I have now where by praying for what I wanted for myself, for those people, I've been able to forgive them and um, move on. And that's been amazing for me. Thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you, Linus. Okay, now we'll have Sharon B. followed by Stephanie R. Uh, Yes, good morning, family. My name is Sharon B. from Michigan, currently in Florida. And very grateful to be here. Set my timer. Um, this is this is a favorite paragraph. There's so many favorite paragraphs. And on the side, I have how, how do I make amends to people I resent, or in this case, people I even hate. And I'm so grateful for having had a sponsor who allowed me to walk through one step at a time, and had me walk through that eight-step list, writing now, later, maybe. Not sure if I owe amends. Never, never. You know, there were those people on my never list, my my uncle and my dad especially, you know, who I blamed for everything that went wrong in my life. They they absolutely warped my my point of view because they were they were the ones that I held responsible for for me being abused and tortured and it happening to so many other kids and 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 all the pain that I, I witnessed and went through and I I blamed my addiction on them, I blamed everything on them. And when it came to working the steps it was like, you know, one, two, three, yes, I can admit it, yep, okay, I'm ready and now you're ready to make amends to me. <laughs> you know, I figured step nine, they should make amends to me. If you knew my life you would understand. And 
I'm grateful for a sponsor who allowed me to take this very slowly, to be able to pray for those people for a long time, because what it tells me here is that I go to them in a helpful and forgiving spirit, and I didn't have a helpful or forgiving spirit toward them. I had a good reason to hate them. I had a good reason to hold on to that, but the book tells me that you know, it'll block the sunlight of the spirit, which if I want to have a spiritual experience, then I, that won't work. I don't plant tomatoes in the dark because they need sunshine. But going to my uncle and, uh, yes, I, I confessed my former ill feeling. I didn't take responsibility for what he did. But I held resentments against him. You've been in room, I've been in rooms where people didn't like me but said nothing bad to me, didn't have an action, but I could feel it. And going to them and seeing that tear in his eyes and in my father's, you know, and being able to confess my former ill feeling that he knew I had was amazing. And it's really true where it says right here, you know, um, that it's, it's, oh gosh, I'm losing it. We take the bit in our teeth. Um, it is much more beneficial. It gave me a freedom I never, ever thought I'd have. And for that, I am truly grateful. And it uh, looks like my time is out. Thank you very much, family, for helping me walk through this path. Sharon B. from Michigan. Thank you, Sharon. Okay, now we'll have um, Stephanie R. followed by Nancy P. Hi, all. This is Stephanie R. from Missouri, and I'm planning my seat and also want to reflect on the paragraph because when I made my first set of amends, it was really hard for me initially to think of um, people I had to make amends to because, of course, I was perfect and I hadn't done anything bad to anyone, and um, I just thought that people owed me amends instead of the other way around, and it was when I literally sat down and went back and looked at the things that I had done throughout my life and the resentments I had towards other people, I, I just really held on to the fact that I was extremely self-centered, very focused on myself. And by that, I blocked so many good people in my life, and I owed them amends. I owed them because I was never fully present. I was never fully available. And um, that was a lot of my life. And I'm very grateful that I have a program that can show me through surrender and asking for God's guidance how I can come and be of service to others so that when I come, I'm authentic, I'm present, and I'm not focusing on Stephanie. Because when I focus only on me, that's when my disease just loves to torture me and put me in a place of being a victim. And I'm a victim in my own head. Uh, God doesn't see me as a victim. And, and if I choose to see myself as a victim, then I'm not really working the program to the best of my ability. I'm just very grateful that um, I'm able to make amends today. I'm able to say that I am not perfect. I do not strive for perfection. I strive to live a life of serenity and surrender, and I'm just very grateful that I have this program that I can come to in the morning and hear so many people share their experience, strength, and hope. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Okay, Nancy P., you're up, and then we will open it up for more shares. And 
Uh, we're in chapter six in action on the first paragraph on page 77. We don't use this as an excuse. Reading that one full paragraph, commenting on it. Go ahead, Nancy. Thank you so much um, for letting me share. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everybody. Nancy P. Recovered in Western Massachusetts. I feel like everything's been said, um, but I do have a couple of thoughts, which is mainly, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, the only hard thing, truly hard thing that I did in all of my ever, in my practically in my life was surrender. That was hard, especially with regards to the 12 steps. Everything after that was either slightly uncomfortable at worst, it maybe pinched a little bit, tedious, mundane, whatever necessary, but it was not hard. And the reason that it wasn't hard is because luckily for me, I, I did the hard part, the hardest part first, and then, you know, progressed through the steps. So, you know, my sponsees call me up, you know, they'll talk and they'll say, well, I need to do this and I need to do that. And I'm like, well, that's step four and we're on step one. You know, my main problem, like in Bill's story, when he says he was 22 and he's going to come home and run all these big businesses, I guarantee that the Carnegies and the Rockefellers were not quaking in their boots at this 22-year-old pipsqueak that came home and thought he was going to run these big businesses. And, you know, I thought that I had to take it all on all by myself right away without any practice. And, you know, the, the 12 steps chopped it up into manageable pieces and, you know, I didn't. I wasn't afraid by the time I get to the ninth step. I had no trouble taking the bit in my teeth um, at all. I mean, there were some people that I said, not now, but not never, that's for sure. And, you know, I made my amends. And I've been, you know, I got, you know, metaphorically speaking, thrown out of somebody's office. The guy, the guy wasn't interested in what I had to say. Okay. I mean, I never think about him except if I tell a sponsee about that incident, ever. It's water under the bridge. I don't care anymore. Um, I also don't act in that way anymore. And, um, you know, I didn't worry about any of the other steps because I sought counsel from others, always. I always seek counsel from others, not necessarily my sponsor, although many times, and her, and, um, and, I, and I talk to other fellows. And just because I spend so much time making phone calls and doing outreach and, and talking to other people just about nothing, about program, about being joyful and happy, the answers come. And I don't have to worry. And whatever, however it goes is how it goes. You know, it's not that I don't have fear in my life or don't have anger or don't have worry or grief or any of those things. I do. But they don't own me anymore. I do the best that I can with what I have and what I found in going through all the steps because I did them in order and continue to, you know, do them, you know, sort of all simultaneously now that I'm recovered. But what has happened is I have data to prove that what I'm doing is working because I'm attracting the kinds of people that I want in my life and the kinds of reactions from people that I have always craved but never got. And, um, you know, I don't need to worry what happens. I don't need to, you know, all I need to do is do the best I can. And that's more than enough today. That's and the time. life that I have is beyond price. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Okay. So we value your experience. We ask that you hold back and only share every third day. So who else would like to share on this first paragraph on page 77? Jim S. in Toledo. Davalyn mm -hmm. E. Davalyn E. Susan S. H. <laughs> 
Susan S. H. <laughs> yes. Okay. Basha S. in Israel. I'm sorry, who was that from Israel? Basha in Israel. Basha, okay. We'll take a few more. Hello, this is uh, Sherry from Washington State. Sherry P. from Washington State. Uh, I'm in the membership list if you want to call me. Uh, um, okay, I'm I, just taking uh, a list. Excuse me. I'm just taking a list of names right now. Did you want to share on this paragraph? Okay. You would be number five. Okay. Okay. Sandy D. Sherry. from Connecticut. Sandy D. Okay. Sherry M. From Wyoming. Okay, let's stop there. Hopefully we'll get you all in. We have Jim, Javelin E, Susan SH, Basha, I think, from Israel, Sherry P, Sandy D, and Sherry M. Okay, go ahead, please, Jim. Jim S. and Julio, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I was thinking about a situation with a man that just drove me crazy for about three years, and I didn't know why he was treating me the way he was treating me, and I was talking about it with a friend of mine, and he said, you need to forgive him. And I thought, wow, I never thought of that. So the next time I saw him, before I left to go home, I went over and I shook his hand. I didn't want to shake his hand, but I knew that I had to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, anyway, I'm thinking about this as I'm listening this morning. And, um, you know, I have not done anything more than just shaking his hand. And I need to be ready, willing, and available to help him because he hasn't changed. He's still the same controlling person. He's absent. And he's been absent for maybe five years now. But he's still the same controlling person. And who's going to be there for him to help him see that there's another way to live? So I'm just glad for this meeting because it gives me time to think about my situation and how I respond to other people. And that's the most important thing is how I respond to others. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Jim S. Okay, Davalyn E., you're up, followed by Susan S.H. Good morning, Katie, and everyone on the line. My name is Davalyn E., and I am a compulsive overeater living joyfully and gratefully in recovery in Manitoba, Canada. Thinking about this paragraph and the topic of making amends and Going back again to the first time I made amends in this program, and I had two amends to make where I had stolen from very good friends in my profession that I was working for, and it took me, it must be a year to make those amends, and the block for me was my pride, you know, pocketing our pride um, was so difficult for me. I so lacked the humility to admit that I was just 
another ordinary human being who made horrible mistakes like other people. And the reason it was difficult for me is that I didn't at that time trust that I was loved enough to be able to admit those things, to say them publicly to these people who were still very good friends and know that I would be loved and cared for. Years later, now that my trust in a higher power to turn me in the right direction, make me into the person I need to be, has allowed me more and more to pocket that pride, to be humble. So it was a lack of humility that terrified me when I went to make those amends. And I was very, very fortunate, of course, when I made them humbly, taking full responsibility that they still accepted me. And my trust in this higher power grows and grows every time I make an amend and I'm still worthy of being in this life alive and being a human being. So thank you all for listening and have a beautiful day. I pass. Thank you, Davalyn. Okay, Susan S.H., you're up, followed by Basha in Israel. Good morning. Uh, I'm Susan S.H. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in St. Mary's, Ohio. Um, I can only share my experience, strength, and hope, and that is that continuing the process is everything. It, it just, things come up that were not, that didn't come up the first time around here. So they, they need to be taken care of as they come up. I had uh, a former coworker, <laughs> I'm retired, that just, I felt like she was the bane of my existence in the last few years that I worked. She was uh, confident and smart and young and really beautiful. And the fact is, that was everything I wanted to be and was not, or felt that I was not. Um, so uh, eventually, <clears throat> it took me a while to accept that my ill will was my choice and it's what was making me miserable and my responsibility. So I sought counsel from the fellowship and thank you fellowship for being kind and helpful when I needed that. On the first try, I kind of fell flat. <laughs> kind of very wishy-washy, but I had another chance. By the time I had that chance, um, I had time to consider what would have been better to say. And I got that rare occasion to see her again, and I told the truth. And the truth was that I truly regret how obstinate and difficult I was as a co-worker. I could have accepted help, and we could have worked so well together. I regret that I blocked that. And I gave her a hug. And she was gracious and said she learned from my experience when we worked together. What a kind thing to say. I can hear her name today without falling into that pit of resentment. And it's a miracle. Yeah, yeah. I'm so grateful to be free of that anger that was so often with me anytime I would hear her name. It's gone and I am grateful. Um, these things we do so benefit us and I am so grateful for this uh, directions, the directions that I have in the steps that help me turn to a higher power in everything I do and with that I will pass. Thank you Susan SH and now we'll have Basha from Israel followed by Sherry P. 
Hi, thank you so much. My name is Basha. I'm a compulsive reader. Um, I'm so grateful for this topic of the man that I hate, <laughs> self-justified anger. Um, I, my experience has been that um, there have been resentments that I've held on to for years. And as I woke up, I would wake up in the morning and the, immediately um, this uh, one person would pop into my head and um, I would carry him around in my mind all day. And um, it wasn't until I made the amends to him that that stopped happening and that I wasn't haunted in my mind by um, painful memories. Um, I think that the biggest, I, I like to call this the measuring stick, you know, and it's, it's a really, it's an obstacle to making amends. I'm wrong, but you're more wrong. So I shouldn't have to admit my wrong. And it really helps me to read in the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, about, you know, if I'm disturbed, then, um, there's something wrong with me. Um, and I think that that's, it's not that uh, there's something wrong with me that's, uh, that's existential. It's just that there's something wrong in my thinking. There's something wrong in my beliefs and there's something wrong in my behavior. And unless I admit that, I'm going to stay stuck in that pattern. So um, I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, yeah, I just, it's just, um, it's really, um, I wanted to say that forgiveness is the answer. You know, forgiveness is, is so powerful. And it, it has to be real. It has to be in my heart. Um, it, can't, it can't just be on the surface because I'm very leaky. You know, if, if I have something, if I still have a resentment in my heart, it eventually will come out in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. So I really have to root it out, root it out, um, and make the amends if it's necessary. So if I'm still carrying it around, then it could be that somewhere, or it's leaking out in some way. Um, it could be that there's, um, I, it's still there, and 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 I need to, you know, check in with my sponsor, see if there's an amends that needs to be made. Um, and ultimately, it's for my benefit because I will not stay abstinent. Um, I I find there's a very very close connection with. Um, being resentful and being called into the food. If I'm sitting on my hands, if I hear that the the food calling me, um, there might just be some connection. I'll pass things. Thank you so much, Basha. Okay, Sherry P, you're up, followed by Sandy D. Sherry, star one. Hello, this is Sherry P. from um, Shelton, Washington. Um, this is the first time I've shared on this line. I've been abstinent for six weeks and uh, feel really good about that. And I've been uh, going to this meeting and um, for years. And this is the first time I've shared. Um, so um, anyway, I... If anyone uh, has experienced this, uh, maybe they will find this helpful. I uh, I carried around resentment uh, and shame for 
many, many years uh, regarding a, a situation with my father, um, <clears throat> regarding, um, unbeknownst to me, a, a, a sexual situation which he observed, um, uh, which I didn't know. Um, and uh, I um, uh, wondered all these years why he treated me differently than my sister and my brothers. Uh, I, I just... Uh, I was puzzled all those years, and uh, I, I uh, after uh, he had uh, rejected me on his deathbed by his his posture and his words, and uh, I wondered for years why, 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 and uh, anyway, uh, I uh, went to his gravesite and. Uh, uh, after I had realized, uh, after um, in another twelve-step program, uh, after after reviewing uh, step eight and nine um, in a meeting, um, that uh, it just suddenly came to me why uh, he did, and it was because he. I'm sure it was because of that uh, him observing me, and and um, he he couldn't get over it, and. Uh, he was a kind and, and gentle and generous man, and uh, I loved him very much. And um, anyway, um, I went to his gravesite three different times. Uh, I wrote about my feelings. I wrote an amends to him, and I I sat it at his gravesite, and. Uh, three times, and I still couldn't get over it. I carried it around with me with so much pain, uh, with guilt and shame and and, uh, and even resentment toward him for, for rejecting me and for treating me differently. But anyway, uh, I suddenly, <laughs> six weeks ago, when I got abstinent uh, through step six, seven, eight, nine, and prayer and medication. Uh, I have uh, put away that past and reliving um, a lot of stuff from tragedy and uh, and heartbreak. Um, Sherry, past. I'm sorry, but that's time. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Um, I pass. Thank you and welcome and Thanks for sharing. Okay, Sandy D, you're up, followed by Sherry M. And uh, we have about four and a half minutes. Hi, this is Sandy D from Connecticut. Um, my, uh, I've been listening to this meeting uh, for about three or four months um, on a regular basis. Uh, a lot of times I take you with me on a walk. You don't know you're going for a walk with me, but you are. And my sponsor pointed out to me the other day that although I enjoy this meeting a lot by by staying in the background and just listening and never sharing, I'm kind of fading into the woodwork. And uh, she encouraged me to um, to share. Um, the reading this morning brought up some uh, bittersweet memories for me. One of the hardest people that I had to... Uh, make an amends to with my mother. Um, there were long, uh, long-standing uh, 
bitterness on my part that um, I was raised in an active alcoholic household where my father was the alcoholic, and I kept a resentment against my mother for having kept me in that um, in that predicament, in that um, that uh, difficult childhood, and and not protecting me more and. Um, so that was uh, about 40 years ago. Um, I was in program and I was working with my sponsor and it took some prayer um, to come to the point where I realized I needed to own my piece of um, my relationship with my mom and um, because of that bitterness, I had many times treated her disrespectfully. Um, I was able to go to her and uh, and tell her that I was sorry for the way that I treated her and that she did not um, she did not deserve that behavior from me. Um, and it was difficult because she didn't own any part of her side, and I had to walk away and say, okay, well, she's doing the best that she could. But a few years later, she was on her deathbed. Unfortunately, I was losing her to cancer, and she opened up to me and... Um, apologized to me for not being able to do the things that she needed to do as a mother to protect me. And I often wonder if I hadn't put my hand out there first and made that amends, whether that beautiful thing that happened before she passed away um, would have occurred at all. Um, the biggest lesson that I learned in um, making an amends, even though it's difficult, um, I thank you all for your shares. It gives me so much inspiration um, and courage and things to think about um, in my day and in my recovery. And uh, I'm a work in progress, and I always will be, and I hope I never forget that. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you um, so much, Sandy D. Okay, uh, Sherry M., you're up, and you have about a minute. Do you want that? Okay, thanks so much for your service. Hi, good morning. This is Sherry M. Calling. I'm a compulsive overeater in Wyoming, and um, I loved everyone's shares. And what I'm really getting is that there's not one person that I've ever met that's going to make these hard amends that said, Yay, I can't wait to make this. You know, that's what we all have in common. And I was just thinking about, and there's a solution, and working with my sponsor and her reminding me that none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of the shortcomings. But I'm working with someone, right, my sponsor. The problem has been solved. She's telling me there's nothing left to do but to pick up the spiritual kit. And this is a promise. Uh, I'm reading here as a promise that if I go to the people that are the most difficult amends are going to bring me the most spiritual reward because I'm going to know God even more than I did before. And yes, they're very scary. So I take my sponsor's hand. She, you know, for me, what was very helpful is to have written out a little piece of paper with exactly what I wanted to say because I'm somebody who can um, get off topic and make it worse. And I stuck to the script and it came from my heart and people thanked me and some were, you know, glad that I was there to make the amends and some were not. Some wanted to keep my writing, my letter, like my sister and my mom. 
um, because they, they thought it was so touching. There's been other ones that I've made amends to that didn't remember anything as to what I was talking about, like old bosses thinking, what are you talking about? You are a great employee. And so again, by this time in the big book, and I'll just wrap up, what I have found is that my, my mind is where the disease resides and it's a lot of misperceptions, delusions, and a warped thinking, I am sick, bodily, mind, and spirit. And knowing that in my heart, when I go to approach I'm sorry, but that's human, time. human beings is the reward. Thank you. Have a nice day. Okay. Thank you. I hate interrupting people, but we got to move on. Um, so uh, thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, April 26, 7 a.m. meeting is 20,198. That's 20198. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Margaret D. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Excuse me. Hey, everybody. Margaret D., um, Recovered Compulsive Eater. If we are painstaking, I'm sorry. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.